Hello, and welcome to today's session of the Supply Chain Master Series by Transportation Insight. I'm Peter Ryan in the Transportation Insight Marketing Group. In today's digital event, our panelists will be discussing what questions you need to ask and answer to ensure you're building and executing the optimal freight strategy for your business. But before I turn the program over to our panel, I'd like to mention one housekeeping item. If you have a question during today's session, and we do want your questions, please type it into the questions pane that you see in your webinar viewer. We'll respond to as many as possible during our broadcast. Well, let's jump right into our conversation today. First, I'd like to welcome Melanie Burns to the program. Melanie's been in the logistics industry for 15 years, helping clients engineer optimization strategies, help reduce logistics-related expenses, and drive compliance. She has experience working in brokerage and for a large national asset-based provider with positions ranging from operations to providing consultative solutions to clients. She brings a well-rounded perspective to our conversation today. Welcome, Melanie. Thank you, Peter. Um, looking forward to the conversation today and discussing the complexity of the freight market and some areas that shippers can be considering when putting together a freight strategy. And of course, I know you're about to introduce Pat, but looking forward to having the conversation with Pat because I know he'll keep it lively as we go through. That's the truth. The other half of our <laughs> panel, Pat Allen, has spent 14 years in supply chain, primarily focused on transportation efficiency and cost reduction. Years working in both the transactional and collaborative brokerage situations have helped him understand different methods of interacting with the carrier community from the perspective of myriad unique shippers and shipper strategies. He also carries a certified supply chain professional designation from APEX, and he's an active member of the CSCMP of Eastern Michigan Roundtable. Welcome, Pat, and let's go ahead and jump right in here. Awesome. Thank you, Peter, for the introduction and uh, the personality comment. I'm looking forward to keeping the energy high and uh, talking with you, Melanie, so I, I can't wait. So uh, again, thank you for everyone that's on the line for joining. Uh, Melanie and I, obviously, we've had some conversations leading up to this, uh, but we're both incredibly excited to share some strategies and really considerations of, of what we need to do to navigate what is a ever-increasing uh, complex market. So. With that, uh, when thinking about where to start from for setting your carrier or your freight strategy, there's a lot of different things you have to think about. Most companies start internally. They look inside their four walls to figure out what they want. Realistically, though, it makes a lot more sense to start with what's out there, what's available in the marketplace. What does this marketplace look like? So what you find is... <laughs> a marketplace that's significantly more complex than many shippers think it really is. So uh, between, uh, let's see, the Department of Transportation says that there's somewhere between 500,000 and 700,000 individual fleets operating in the space today. And this is primarily from a truckload perspective. So then, but really when you dig down a little bit, the FMCSA, has eliminated all the carriers that didn't log any miles and that don't have any registered equipment. So what you come down to from the overall marketplace is really about 225,000 for higher carriers in the country, interstate carriers in the country. So that means you have 225,000 options and about one and a half million pieces of equipment that could potentially be your perfect fit from a truckload perspective. So thinking through that, 
a lot of large shippers and really even smaller shippers think, okay, well, the majority of that capacity must be housed in those mega carriers, the Knight Swifts, the JB Hunts, the Schneiders, things like that. And that's not necessarily the case. They don't even, those large carriers don't even represent 1% of the marketplace. 99% of the fleets have fewer than 100 trucks. And the average size of a fleet in America right now is six trucks. So think it through 225,000 fleets and that, that large diverse carrier base of the small, call it owner operators or, or family owned trucking companies, uh, it really gets quite complex in how we're dealing with this. And when you shift that, instead of just looking at the number of fleets to capacity, because of course those mega carriers have over 5,000 pieces of equipment, Still, 60% of the available capacity is housed in fleets that are fewer than 20 trucks. So if you're only going to those mega carriers, you're really only looking at about 10% of the addressable marketplace. So thinking through, you know, how are you going to engage? What makes sense? How many carriers can you support? Can you utilize? These are some of the questions that we're going to answer today. But thinking through the truckload market and how complex it really is and how many choices there truly are really should impact what you're doing going forward. And, and Melanie, I know you wanted to comment a little bit on specifically uh, more in the LTL and, and parcel area. Yeah, thanks Pat. Um, so, you know, truckload, just like you mentioned, definitely is very complex marketplace to consider. Um, it, with all those, those players involved, the, the large carriers, the regional carriers. Um, but when you think about LTL, you don't really see the market as diverse as you do with truckloads. 70% um, of the market share is held by the top 10 LTL carriers. So, you know, when you look at the LTL carrier number, there's about uh, 200 LTL carriers in, the, in North America. But again, you've got those big players that are making up that large majority. Um, LTL does get complex, however, when you start thinking about the carriers that serve the marketplace. So you've got national carriers, you've got multi-regional, you've got regional and then sub-regional and you know, start thinking about how, which carriers do I engage and how do I engage each of those carriers is where it starts to get a little bit more um, detailed and, and understanding your business needs and how you align that. And so it's important that you understand from these different LTL carriers what their coverage is, um, what their pricing is, and how your product aligns to their business and their operating performance, because that's what they're looking at when they look at pricing your business and how they serve your business. Um, and then, of course, you're going to want to understand what is the service that you're going to receive from each of these different carriers um, and taking all that into consideration when you're looking at aligning to different LTL partners. And so, you know, when you look at parcel, you know, you're making your way down and you look at parcel, um, it's completely opposite of what you see in truckload, right? You've got big players with FedEx, UPS, and the Postal Service, and they're handling the vast majority of the parcel volume. But you do have uh, regionals as well that you can take into consideration throughout the U.S. Um, based on what your business needs are. And, um, you know, recently I read an article in Supply Chain Dive that said, especially this year, um, at the beginning of 2020, there were about 4% of shippers that were utilizing those parcel regional carriers. And when you look at um, around March, it jumped up when you, when you start to see COVID hit, that number jumped up to around 19% of shippers. So more shippers were diversifying out and, and starting to utilize those relationships. 
And then now um, with the volume caps that have happened over this year by FedEx and UPS, um, you see that number trending at 30%. So, you know, really understanding where you have, you know, with all modes here, truckload, LTL, parcel, understanding where you have strong relationships, maintaining those, but then also seeing what else is out there in the marketplace, understanding those, those carriers and how you can look to diversify is really important. And so, Pat, I know, um, you know, we talked about each of these, but didn't even touch on the additional capacity that's available with brokerage. And so um, I know you've got a lot of experience there. So love to hear your your input on the brokerage side of it. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll, I'll touch on that in a sec from a from an LTL and a parcel perspective. I, I hope that those on the call are truly understanding that each one of those modes is complex in its own way. And they're significantly complex and they, that complexity should definitely help dictate what that carrier strategy is. So great job kind of breaking down, especially the emergence of regional carriers in a parcel perspective. Uh, with that said, be, for the audience out there, we're going to concentrate mostly today on freight. We're going to leave parcel kind of out of it because uh, the, the topic for the webinar today is, is primarily focused on freight. Uh, so if we don't touch that much on that, that's why. Now into the brokerage, you're right. We talk about how complex from an LTL perspective, from a truckload perspective, even parcel, uh, but then those are all complex in their own, on their own. Now, if you start interacting with a brokerage and basically filter all or part of your transportation through a broker, that puts a whole nother level of complexity onto that. And it impacts relationships and negotiating power and really service levels and expectations and contracts. So uh, there's, the marketplace itself is significantly complex and made more complex by brokerages and not just you know your larger brokerages, anyone with $75,000 and the ability to fill out some paperwork basically can start their own brokerage. So they can be a useful tool when you're looking for capacity, particularly in the spot market, uh, but understanding the benefits and drawbacks of brokerage as a whole and individual brokerages is a big consideration when you're talking about going out to the marketplace. So we talked a little bit, you know, we wanted to set the market snapshot. We wanted to set this, the stage of who it is that we as shippers are going to be interacting with. But now we're going to start to get a little bit more, uh, not quite internal yet. I, like I said, most shippers think about, you know, who am I? Who are we? And what do we do when really supply chain over the last five, 10 years has really shifted to be less about what you're doing and more about what your customers need and what your customers expect. So the first thing after understanding what potential partners there are out in the marketplace you need to think about is what your customers expect from you because those customer expectations are everything to your business. If you're meeting or exceeding those expectations, your business will grow. If you're not meeting those expectations, your business is gonna contract and that's not, any, not something that anybody really wants. So we'll talk a little bit about you know, the, the characteristics of your customer base and how their expectations and what their characteristics are impact your strategy. So first of all, and the most obvious one is geography. Where are your customers located? Are they located all within the United States, internationally, regionally, just within a specific state? Um, and it's not just where within the country or on the globe that they're located, but in what type of environment and what type of surroundings are they in downtown Chicago, New York City, which has its own challenges as far as delivery goes? 
Or are they like a customer that I used to work with in a previous life that made chicken processing equipment, feeding, watering, processing equipment for poultry? Uh, there's not a lot of commercial farms in downtown Chicago or New York City. These big commercial farms that are buying my, this client's product are located really in the middle of nowhere. They're located in rural Iowa, rural Nebraska. So it becomes conversations about, okay, I'm going to have a different strategy. Maybe the larger carriers don't want to go to you know, these rural areas that are far away from most of their customer base. Maybe you have to lean on some of those smaller providers that we talked about before. That's going to make a big impact. Now, size, Melanie, how can a customer's size impact what you're doing from a procurement perspective? Well, so I think you have to look at it in a, a couple ways, right? You want to understand the overall size of your customer um, as a business um, and understanding um, what, what percentage of that business that you own. And then you also take that to look internally of how big is that customer to your business portfolio? So, you know, is that, are they a large customer for you and are they going to drive the strategy for how you go to market? Um, you know, what would you do for your top three customers? But then you also have smaller customers that you want to think about as well and start to think about, do they fit in line with how you're going to go to market for your large customers? Is it different? Um, and are you going to make exceptions for the smaller or just the larger customers? And so that's really, you want to look at it from different perspectives on the size of that business. Um, and Pat, I know that uh, service expectation is obviously important. Um, customers have different ways that they're looking at the service that they expect from you. And so I'd love to hear what, what you've got to um, say based on, you know, how we need to look at that, how our, how the people in the audience today need to be considering it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you made a great point on size and, you know, how you could have different carrier strategies uh, based on different size clients. You could have a different carrier strategy based on nearly any of these requirements, where they're located, mm -hmm. uh, how large they are, what they mean to your business, all those things. So keep in mind that sometimes the carrier strategy can involve a bunch of micro strategies underneath it. So to that end, service expectation, we talk about what your client's expectations are. Now, if you look at our super high quality graphic down at the bottom, and we call that the, the quality triangle. So cheap, fast, and good, pick two, right? I think most of us have heard that. Uh, and that's really what it is in transportation, largely. So if you're if you expect a high level of service, and uh, high quality or and a very fast high level service, well, you're probably gonna pay through the nose for it. But if that's what your customers expect, that's the strategy that you need to set. So thinking through that, you have to think through your client base and what their level of service is. Are you sending, let's say lumber, which is relatively commoditized. And most of the time, these folks that you're sending large amounts of lumber to probably have some flexibility. They're gonna be more price focused because it's a commoditized sell. So you're going to be very price focused in what you're doing from a procurement perspective. If you look on the other side of that spectrum, uh, I've got a, a client right now that makes chilling or cooling machines. And these are very sophisticated machines used for a very specific purpose. And they're uh, calibrated as such that they need to be handled with care or else they're not going to work. So that service expectation is the primary focus for them. So as we work with them to set that carrier strategy, we need to make sure that we're relying on carriers that are known for higher service, even if that comes at a premium from a price perspective. So that it might be different depending upon you know, who you are and what your clients expect. And it could be different if you have different uh, 
commodities that you're shipping. So yeah, and I um, think you know, Pat, yes. I um, I'm especially right now one big area is e-commerce, right? Um, and so when you're looking at e-commerce, the the service and the speed are key. I've got a customer that I'm working with, and they are primarily e-commerce, and they know it's important for them to get their product timely to the customer with the service required. Um, and they're even, they scorecard themselves on the net promoter score. And so if their customers are not getting their delivery in the time that they expect it with the service that they've asked for and they've paid for, it's going to be known. And um, so it's very important for them that, that they have to be flexible in the price. They don't want to get gouged by the marketplace, but they also know that that sometimes they've got to be flexible to make sure that that service and speed is met. So um, I definitely think that that you see it from all different angles, right? And understanding your customers and their needs and the differences of them is very important. Um, and, and I think another thing too, is that your customers, when you think about service expectation, it really can go into these two additional categories we have here, a vendor requirement and order methodology. Um, you know, some of your vendors, uh, I mean, your, your customers are gonna have specific requirements for you. Maybe they have a specific carrier that you can utilize um, and they only want you to use that carrier. So you need to keep that in mind. Um, maybe there are a certain delivery requirement that they have from you that that you need to be able to service for them. So they're going to have specific vendor requirements that you need to take into consideration when you're planning out your strategy. And then when you think about order methodology, um, you know, do you have a customer that gives you a consistent order with notice? where you can plan for that with carriers and have more contracted rates with carriers and work with more asset-based carriers? Um, or do you have a customer that orders and expects you to deliver it the next day within 24 hours? And so that doesn't really give you much notice to plan and you need more of a flexible strategy there and carriers that can ebb and flow with those needs. And so, um, you know, really understanding the way that your customers put um, how you're going to service them and, and what their requirements are is going to be really important. And then Pat, with combination of that is, is there flexibility, right? So um, I think that that's key for all of these last three service expectations and their requirements order methodology are your customers flexible and can you start to work with them to, to make it to where you can have a more defined strategy? Um, you know, that's, that's a big key. Do you hear that a lot with customers, Pat, that, that they're trying to figure out how to be flexible and service the needs of, of their customers? Yeah, it really, one of the greatest things that I've experienced, you know, working with clients here at TI is the conversation we get to have once we, you know, in, in every engagement, we'll set a carrier strategy on the front end. <clears throat> but then as we're starting to dig a little bit into the operational data and, and what's happening and uh, where there are opportunities for improvement is the customer conversations that are had between our customer and their customer. It's, hey, right now you're telling me I need to ship, you know, those vendor requirements. I need to send this with FedEx uh, every time. It's got to be FedEx and you guys have to pay for it. Well, now we're starting to get into some intelligence where they're able to say, hey, if you guys are flexible and you allow us to use, say, Estes instead of FedEx, we can cut your per piece price down by 5%. Now the customers are starting to say, oh, you mean I could save 5% or I could get 5% more product for the same if I just have one more carrier in? Now it doesn't always work 
perfectly. It doesn't always align with the business goals, but being able to talk to your customers about that flexibility and from a financial or service perspective, what that impact is by changing carriers or changing strategies or changing their desire, their service level, their speed, et cetera, um, it can make a really big impact not just on your sales, but in your customer relationships. And as we know, the better off you, or the better your relationships are with your customers from a customer service perspective, not even necessarily a supply chain perspective, uh, the more beneficial uh, that relationship can be for your business and for theirs. So. Yeah, and so, and that's, you know, definitely um, a good segue um, because, you know, when you think about that customer service and their needs that's obviously important and that's why we looked at that first we wanted to really focus on um, your customers are what makes your business right and we need to take into consideration um, what their needs are and that you're you're aligning that strategy and so you know as a shipper you're going to want to also look at who are you what are your own business needs what's your business profile and internally understand what those business requirements are and what that what's needed to be considered when you're putting together this freight capacity strategy and so the top couple here are the same as we saw in the customer right geography and size they're just as important when you're looking internally in your own business you need to understand where you're located are you regional are you national are you international um, and or are your customers that you're trying to serve your network is international and you want to make sure that you are working with carriers that can service those needs but it's not one size fits all you don't necessarily want a, one carrier that can service international um, but you also may have a regional too so you want to be able to be flexible and really diversify those relationships to cover um, the geography that you have as a business uh, and you also want to think about the size, right? Your, the size of your business informs your partnerships. And so, you know, a lot of the times I'm talking to clients and they want to really work with companies that look like them. Um, they want a company that's similar in size. They want to understand who, um, as, as, the, as the vendor, as the carrier, they want to understand what size customers we work with. Because if you are a lot of times a smaller company and you're working with a really large company, you may be a smaller fish in the pond. And so you just want to make sure that you're understanding um, the size of your business and how it aligns to the carriers. And but on the flip side of that, you know, if you're a small shipper and you're not able to leverage your spend, maybe it does make sense to work with a, a larger company that can help you leverage that spend and help drive down your cost. So there's a lot of things to think about when when you look at geography, when you look at size um, that you need to consider in the marketplace. And Pat, I know, um, you know, we have these conversations a lot of times with clients. Um, any any examples that you would you would add to and give uh, to our audience today? Yeah, I mean, it, you think about it and you kind of mentioned it. Business is changing 20 years ago was how can we win, right? It was always about winning and now it's more of a win-win. We want to try and find partnerships that are going to be beneficial to both sides because that informs service. The happier each side is in a transaction, whether it's for transportation or whatever widget it is that, that your product supply or your company supplies, it's going to be better off. So thinking about, you know, how different things can impact 
um, you know, really what we're talking about here, both in size. So regionally, you might have more than one strategy. Melanie mentioned, you know, just because you ship internationally doesn't mean you need to partner with just an international transportation company, or you don't need to find just one company per se that can do all the different things you have. You may have different strategies. Maybe you, from an LTL perspective, you have a national carrier that, that takes care of, you know, maybe the West Coast if you're, op if you're operating in the Midwest. Uh, and then you've got a couple of regional carriers that'll support your business in the Northeast and the Southeast. So thinking through that you, again, can have different strategies for different regions, different client bases, different customers, and even different products uh, is pretty significant. And that kind of pulls me into what your product is. What industry are you in? Because industry, there's certain carriers, especially on the LTL side, certain carriers that concentrate in certain businesses. Some are heavier in food and bed food and bev, some are heavier on automotive. So if your industry aligns with one of those carriers, it probably makes sense to interact with them because they've got some experience and they've created some efficiencies there. Um, of course, industry as a whole, you know, what your product is. If you have, you know, you may have different SKUs or different product families that need different service levels. So if you have your, your low cost widget on this side, you're dealing with these carriers and your high cost widget, more quality widget over here, Maybe you need to have a different carrier strategy for that. So really it is, again, continuing to look internally um, to figure out you know, how to support that. So yeah. seasonality, we always talk about, oh, did you have something to add in the industry? Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say, well, it kind of tied to when you're talking about different products um, and different seasonality, right? It ties in with that. I've got a specific uh, client that I've worked with who, you know, they've got, a lot of locations throughout North America, but they're also different business units. And so they've got multiple different products that they have in their locations. They also have one that's very seasonal. And so they have to look at it with different strategies. They need to look at one of their business units who has more consistent business um, one way. And then their seasonal, I mean, for out of three months out of the year, they have huge spikes in volume, but don't really ship much outside of that season. And so they really need to be able to support the capacity with that three months in a completely different way that they would support business units that have year round volume. So those are definitely things to think about when you're, when you're looking at products, but you're also thinking about that seasonality too. How do you support that, that surge and that high volume season, but also keep those relationships constant throughout the year? So um, definitely a lot to really be be looking at internally with your business, your path. Yeah, I'm picking up that there's a lot to consider when putting forth a procurement strategy. Um, and, and two of those things, when you're looking at what you have, of course, it's where you are, what size you are, what industry you're in, the seasonality, all that. But two of the foundational aspects of how businesses execute well, really anything, but definitely in the supply chain are technology and talent. From a technology perspective, what are you doing to support your transportation today? Do you have a transportation management system? Do you, does your ERP system have some kind of bolt-on that will help streamline transportation? Um, are you working via phone and email right now? Is that just kind of how you're interacting with your carriers? Understanding where you're at is going to inform what you're doing going forward. For example, if you don't have Maybe the ideal carrier strategy for your business is to deal with a thousand truckload carriers. Now, that sounds crazy, but there are shippers out there, your Coca-Colas, your Amazons, that deal with thousands of carriers. 
Now they have technology that can support that, you might not. So your ideal carrier strategy is not ideal for your business if you don't have the bandwidth, if you don't have the technology to support having that many interactions with that many unique carriers on a daily basis. You're just, you're gonna set this carrier strategy and you'll have no way to execute it. So think through what execution looks like from a technology perspective. And supporting that, technology is built to allow your talent to be more efficient. Now, how many people do you have that can impact transportation and supply chain, both tactically, operationally, and strategically? What are their roles? How, what is this going to mean if we have one carrier that we work with? Can we support that? Five, 10, 25, 50. What's that sweet spot with the talent that you have and their capabilities and bringing it back to technology? What kind of IT resources do you have if you want to institute some sort of technology? Do you have the IT people that can help build out a transportation management system or create some kind of a surrogate uh, proprietary system that can support that or does it make sense to buy it? Now, there's a lot of things to consider about once you set that carrier strategy, what to do on the back end. We're not gonna get too far, too deeply into that. Um, but Melanie, I think you had an example about how technology and talent kind of works in um, with, with the current client, how that looks today. Yeah, so, you know, I think that with this specific example, um, because this client didn't have the technology, um, they didn't have a logistics team or the the staff to support that. Um, you know, for them, they they kind of thought, well, we'll just use one carrier and give eighty percent, a little bit more than eighty percent of all our business to one carrier because it's the easy button. It's all we can do right now. We, we can't take the time to invest in technology. We don't have the staff to support the execution um, or really looking at this strategically. But, but really, you know, there are other ways to look at that as well. Even if you, you don't have the technology, you have a limited staff, um, you can look at some additional carriers that can still be managed for your business. And so, you know, what we did with this client is they still, even with some of our help, their, their, their business is not changing. They weren't adding additional people to their team. So we were still able to help them identify, um, you know, how can we add a little bit more competition to this? What additional carriers can you utilize um, that still cover you, but gives you two or three additional for additional competition? Um, and also execute because they only had a limited amount of dock space. So they had to be able to um, not have too many carriers for that part as well. Um, but then also, how can your team understand which carrier is the right carrier to use in what circumstance? And so providing some, some help there on the procurement, providing some technology for visibility um, was a good way to get them started to where it really helped them drive down their costs about 18%. So just adding additional, to, a couple additional carriers really drove that down. So just considering some, some different ways that you can look at it, even if you are smaller and have that limited uh, resource internally. So. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. I mean, introducing competition is always a good way to drive down costs or create some accountability in the carrier base. Uh, so yeah, I'm glad that worked out and they saved 18%. That's a significant save. Yeah. So we're, we're going to stay internal here, but we talked about these things from a business perspective, big picture. But now it's, okay, what are we doing right now? We know who we are as a business and how we're interacting and all that stuff, but what's the strategy 
today. And I think the first thing you need to look at is what your relationships are with your carriers, because that's going to inform how you interact. Are you very adversarial with your carriers? Is it always constantly, ah, you didn't do this, or you didn't do this, or we need to drive down price or increase service? And that's okay. Some businesses, that's just how you need to work, especially those commoditized businesses. When you get a little bit more specialized, or your expectation is a little bit of a higher level of service, maybe your relationship is better with those carriers, is more of a partnership as opposed to a transaction. Uh, and that's going to go a long way in determining if those carriers are right for you going forward. So you need to audit those relationships, make sure that, you know, hey, if I call, you know, Bob at Bob's Trucking up at, at midnight, is he gonna come and help me out? Yeah, okay, great, that's a really good relationship if I have a need for that type of thing. So the relationships with both, you know, your LTL and truckload companies are gonna be very instructive in, in what you're doing going forward. Yeah, Pat, I, you know, being on the, the carrier side of it, um, you know, working on in for a brokerage and also working for an asset-based carrier, um, this carrier relationship portion is really important. Um, you know, the more the carrier understands about your business and your business needs, the better they can serve your needs. Um, and the more open to conversations like Pat talked about that you can have with your carriers because they understand you better. A lot of times I would receive um, pricing requests, whether in a formal RFP or I'd receive it in a more quarterly pricing. You know, every customer, every um, shipper has a different way of presenting those that pricing strategy to carriers. But a lot of times it would be without much in additional information. And so it's really hard for the carrier then to understand uh, how do I how do I see this business? What does the the pricing need to look at look like for them? And when there's an unknown, a lot of times that gray area just results in increased price. And so the more you yep. can have a relationship with your carriers and explain to them your business, your business needs, maybe it's a, um, a project and you're asking for a quote for it, um, but you don't give them any information about the project. These are really important things that carriers love to have and they also know where they stand with your business. So. I think carrier relationship is great. And then it really kind of starts to drive that pricing strategy too, Pat. Yeah, it's a, it's a huge, to have that partnership and that transparent partnership between what the customer desires versus what the carrier desires. The ideal situation is you align both of those things, both from a market perspective, pricing perspective and service perspective. You check those three boxes for the carrier and you're gonna get a good price and good service. So yeah, that's a great call. And I'm glad you brought that experience to bear. Um, we talk, granted, this whole thing is kind of in pricing strategy, but there's different methods of pricing. You, you mentioned one of them, right? You're getting RFPs. A lot of the most common is a yearly RFP. And that's just kind of always been the standard in the industry. Now, I, I think that's changing a bit more to your micro bids or uh, maybe monthly bids, quarterly bids, like you talked about. But having, let me tell you this. So there was a study that MIT did about the marketplace and how pricing truly impacts transportation related service. And what they found was, of course, if you're significantly under market from a pricing perspective, your service is gonna suffer. You saw, they saw a significant reduction in service the further and further below market you were. No one's super surprised there. Obviously average price equals average service. But what I found most interesting 
is that those customers that were playing, paying a premium to market, especially a significant premium to market, they didn't really experience that much better than average service. So really what that means is you wanna to try to follow the marketplace. If you're more of a commoditized shipper, sure, maybe you wanna to try to be a little bit below the market because service isn't quite as, as important. But if you're average to specialized, just because you pay 10, 15, 20% over market average for price for transportation doesn't mean you're getting 10, 15, 20% better service. So the goal is to try and meet that market, but always buy at the market. In a year like 2020, you think about what the market's done, where it started kind of here and then it bottomed out and now it's spiking. A year-long RFP is going to be way too high and way too low and everywhere in between over the course of a year. So again, this kind of goes back to talent and expectations and partnerships. But really, if you're going to operate your business in an RFP manner, maybe it makes more sense to do some micro bids or smaller bids throughout the year. Maybe bid out a facility every quarter and then a different facility every quarter just to try and follow that market rate a little bit more closely. That's something that it makes sense to consider. And that's definitely more for the truckload when we're talking about a, a truckload RFP. But of course, your business might not lend itself to consistent lanes at all. So an RFP might not work. Then you're working in the spot market or you have a hybrid of the two or your business is so regular that you can dedicate this to a specific carrier. So there's lots of different methods of pricing and lots of different partnerships that you can have with carriers and brokerages in the truckload. Um, Melanie, I know you wanted to say something around kind of what pricing strategies can look like from an LTL perspective and what to consider there. Yeah, so I think, you know, you a lot of times with LTL carriers are going to be contracting directly with them. Um, there is, you know, the partnerships that you can have with brokerages too to help leverage your spend through their spend. But um, when you're contracting directly with LTL carriers, you've got your contracts that you can compare to one another, right, and understand what they look like. But then you need to think also about the accessorials. And so how do the accessorials line up with each carrier? And so if you have products, say long products, and you're going to look at have a lot of over length accessorials, that's something you really want to pay attention to because that really could differentiate which carrier you work with. And it may be an oversight that you don't realize that one carrier has a much higher pricing uh, accessorial than, than another. And so definitely think about, you know, those, like we talked before, your business requirements, your business needs, and how the full pricing strategy with those carriers can can line up to it. So, um, Pat, I, know, uh, I mentioned briefly the LTL side of it, but you know that's that's a different way to look at it as well, right? Yeah, and it, it just made me think. So, the chicken processing company that I alluded to back at the beginning of the call, um, we had maybe a, I think it was a five to six percent save on on tariff LTL pricing but we saved an additional 25% because a lot of their equipment was over length and we didn't even analyze the impact that different over length charges would have as we had negotiations with these carriers. So it was a significant uh, decrease by looking at accessorials when really a lot of times people just think, oh, this is just, this is just gonna be the same no matter where we are. We see that a lot in a parcel space as well. Um, so think it through, then we move into execution, right? We talked a little bit about technology, but think about today. Are you blasting an email out to all your different carriers to get things back? Are you, do you have a tool? Do you have a book that has pricing so you can calculate your pricing? What does that look like? How are you interacting? How do your carriers know they have a shipment and how do they confirm that they can pick that up? 
If it's all email, again, that thousand carrier strategy that might be ideal, that's probably not realistic. But if you do have a TMS, that opens up your ability to deal with different carriers and how that pricing lives and how you interact and get that pricing and really understand and communicate with the carriers. Uh, take that even into tracking and what that looks like and then some of the backend functionalities from an administration perspective in a TMS, uh, there's certainly different things that can that can impact your business positively. Yeah, and I think too, you wanna consider if you do have a TMS or looking to implement a TMS, how is it configured? Is it configured for your specific business needs? Um, or is it lacking some of the requirements that are gonna help you streamline your processes? So a lot of times people, I've talked to a couple of companies recently that both kind of had the same issue. They, within their TMS, they weren't able to see the pros for their LCL carriers and track. And that's a pretty big advantage that you could have to streamline processes. And so making sure that, that you're, you're working to add the functionality that you need or you're looking at relationships with partners that can provide that to you is important. So, um, and then, you know, Pat, I think overall, um, one of the things that you and I talked about that's really important is measurement. How are you measuring today um, your current state? How are you managing your current carriers today? Do you have the tools to really um, see how they're doing from a service perspective? Or what is their, their claim ratio look like? Um, how are they doing at trending for a price per pound or a price per mile? And how can you compare the different carriers that you're working with today? So being able to measure the relationship, being able to measure the service, the, the pricing trends is gonna give you better visibility to where you can really start to um, fine tune those relationships and identify are there areas where um, we have one relationship with a carrier that we might need to replace. And so that really will give a line of sight to how you can move forward with the current state that you have today. And so, um, oh, go ahead Pat. You, you can't fix what you can't measure. So, so many times I'm having conversations with supply chain executives, vice presidents and whatnot, and they say, oh, well, SIA is terrible. And I say, okay, well, why is that? Well, Bob on the dock says we have so many problems with them. I'm like, okay, and then what's interesting is once we get kind of to the end, it was Bob had a bad interaction with, you know, the terminal manager or something at one point, and he doesn't like them. So now every time that they miss a delivery or maybe have a claim, Bob is all over it and he's making noise to the organization, we need to get rid of SIA. When if you actually have technology and information in place or a system in place to truly measure what's happening, you might find out that really they're at like 95% positive service experience. So you can't just take one person's word for it. You have to truly have a system to measure that because again, you can't fix what you don't measure. So yeah. we talked a bit That's about- a good one, Pat. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you. I, it's I love it's one of my favorite sayings. The other one is that's the way we've always done it. The seven most expensive words in business. I've got a few sayings yeah. that, that I really like. But anyway, so that's really what we're looking at. You can't fix what you can't measure. Now, did you have anything to add on that, Mel? Well, no, no. I was just going to say that's important, um, and and kind of get it to where we, you know. We're kind of throwing all this at you all. We're talking about the marketplace. We're talking about your customers. Look at them, look internally. Um, what do you have currently? Where are their strengths? And where can you drive value by potentially changing things up? But um, really, you know, the big question now is 
how are you going to engage the marketplace? And um, so, Pat, I know a lot of times shippers have to take into account what you discussed earlier with, you know, the ability, what technology you have today and what talent you have internally. And that is this something that you can handle on your own or do you need to look outwardly to get support for it? And so, um, Pat, I know that you actually had a whole separate webinar with Lee Burrell a couple months ago where you talked specifically to this, of beginning to look at, um, is this something that we can insource or is this something that we outsource? So I know you have a lot of good uh, points from that webinar that you could bring to the audience today. Yeah, I mean, it's a, there's a lot of echoing in, in this conversation as opposed to that one. It's, it's just, you have to make a conscious decision that this world is complex and what you do as a shipper is very complex and you have your own unique drivers and how that business works. Of course, you're going to have a ton of insight on how that works. But if you only have so many people on your supply chain team and really they only have so much experience, which probably is all within your very specific industry, if, if that aligns very well with what the carriers need and it's a very specified industry, well, great. Maybe you can support that strategy because of that experience. But if it's a relatively traditional supply chain, even, or if it looks a little bit complex, partnering with someone else that may have other experience could bring some value. And hey, we've seen what your competitors are doing, or we've seen what people in these industry adjacent, uh, or industries that are adjacent to yours, are doing and we have some strategies that are doing that maybe it's something that that you and your team have never thought about so that's one thing just from an experience perspective but then we talked about talent and technology before if you need 10 people to manage your transportation team and you only have to manage your transportation and you only have five people well then it doesn't make a lot of sense to try and internalize that because you're going to burn out or you're going to need to hire significant amounts of people, but you have to be real with yourself of if you have the capability to do this and then do this correctly. So check it out. It's on transportationinsight.com. Click around, you'll find the video. It's me and, and Lee Burrell. Um, and if you're curious of whether or not it's similar to this, things you need to consider when deciding whether to insource or outsource. So those are yep. those are definitely things to keep in mind. Now, what is define your go-to-market strategy? seems pretty simple, but I bet you have some insight on that one. Well, and I think it actually, you know, I have a customer that I worked with that really kind of faced this in-source versus outsource, um, but also it was just trying for them to define that market strategy. So they had um, consistent business, high volume truckload where they could have had contracted rates and be working with some asset carriers and then also have their partnership with brokerage to fill in the gap. Um, but they weren't able to do that because they had limited resources. They only had, you know, a couple people on their team. They didn't have the capability to put together a strategic RFP. They didn't have the ability to onboard new carriers. Um, and so really what they were doing is working with five brokerages with one of them handling about 60% of the volume. So, and, 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 you know, brokerages definitely play a role and they support business and they give a lot of capacity. But when you are able to look at your business and understand where is, you know, like we talked about earlier, where are the consistent lanes? Where do you have density where you can partner with asset-based carriers or with brokerages with contracted rates that limit some of the volatility that you have within your transportation spend throughout the year? And then how do you look at where some of those lower volume 
maybe uh, smaller uh, customers, maybe one-off shipments that an asset-based company is typically not going to want to handle for you, or if they do, it's going to be at a premium, and really starting to put together that 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 go-to-market strategy for your business. And so that's really kind of more of a, a truckload example, but it kind of intertwines right there between the in-source, outsource, and that go-to-market strategy. They were kind of working on both together, but they couldn't really execute with the way that they were doing it today. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I know we're getting tight on time, so we'll fly through the end of this here pretty quick because uh, I'd imagine that there's some folks that have some questions, so we want to make sure we get to those. But you know, we've talked about execution a number of times. How do you plan on executing? Today, if you don't have a TMS, but you think your carrier strategy is going to need a TMS to support it, maybe you should start asking some questions about how you can better execute and do that more traditionally. Um, it's it, Can you execute truckload and LTL in a TMS? Uh, there's there's different, is it, how are you operating truckload in that TMS? Is it based off of a routing guide? So you have a, a TMS that can support doing it that way. Is it based more of a bid board or a spot market where you're promoting that competition on a per shipment basis to drive down those costs? There's different ways that you can utilize these tools. Now, LTL works a little bit differently in the TMS world. Did you have a, a note on that? Well, I was just going to say, if you're not utilizing a TMS, right, and, and you've got LTL, you want to introduce some additional carriers, understanding those carriers, what markets they serve, and, and how you can execute outside of a, a TMS um, that's going to be streamlined is really going to be key. So you can do it, um, you know, execution doesn't only have to be through TMS, but find a, a strategy, find partnerships that work for you that you still can handle without the technology. And and have if you don't know what works for you, have some conversations with TMS providers or 3PLs or consultant-based people like us to determine you know what works for you. You know we're most salespeople are out there to help, uh, so that's certainly a role that we want to take. So we talked about measurement. You can't fix what you can't measure. Whatever you do, whatever that strategy looks like, figure out what's important to you and measure it so you can make decisions to change that strategy in the future. That's probably the biggest part. Just because you set a strategy today doesn't mean it's gonna be the right strategy a year from now. Markets change, carriers change, businesses change, uh, the global health climate changes. There's so many changes that happen um, and you, you have to be cognizant of the fact and, and have information that'll inform these changes going forward. So with yeah. that, I, and I think Pat, that's, for, oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, Pat, that's a, you know, a great, um, when you're measuring that performance, you just, you're able to really start to look at things and not have to start all over, right? You don't have to restart this every year or every few years. Um, you can just build on it and reevaluate how you're doing things today if you're measuring. So that's, that's the last thing I'd add, Pat. Absolutely. And and before we get to questions, just so everyone on the call truly understands, you know, kind of where this is coming from, everything we've talked about today are things that, that Transportation Insight talks with our clients with every day. 99% of our engagements start on that carrier strategy and how to effectively start a carrier strategy. What are you doing today that's working? Oh, that's working well? Let's protect that. But here's some ideas to support that. How are you executing today? Okay, well, let's figure out the best way for you to execute the strategy that you just designed. And then we have measurement tools in place. 
We need to measure to make sure that the carriers are doing what they're supposed to be doing at the pricing that they said they were going to do it in. So if they're not, we're going to give you information to allow you to have those conversations with their customers. And then finally, on the back end, you talk about true measurement. Now we're talking about business metadata and business intelligence and taking this data and disseminating it down into dashboards that are going to help you inform the carrier capacity going forward. Hey, carrier X, you're not doing very well. You need to do this better, or maybe we need to go a different way. And then you can even go to the next level and start to find opportunities to create further efficiencies and really remove miles and shipments out of the supply chain. So big picture, uh, that's what TI wants to do. If you have questions about your carrier strategy or considering changing it or want to know what's out there for execution, please reach out to Melanie and I, uh, and we'd be happy to have these conversations with you. So with that, Peter, I wanted to, to toss it back to you. I, I would imagine there may be a question or two out there. Yep. Uh, thanks, Pat. We do have, we have had a couple of questions come in. And as a reminder to the audience, please don't hesitate to enter your question in that questions panel on your screen. If we do not get to our, to your question, we'll, we'll address Melanie and Pat with these offline. But the first one that came in, um, I'll, I'll address this one to you, Pat. Uh, according to everything I'm reading these days, we're at or near the high of the high point of the transportation market in pricing as capacity has been an issue in many modes. What does what impact does the marketplace have on if and when you should review your straight freight strategy? Well, that's that's a great question. And, and the easy answer is it depends. Um, but you think about so that goes back to that MIT study, right, where you always want to try and be in line with the marketplace. So the market might not have as big of an impact on when to go to market as you would think, because you're never gonna be able to predict when the market's gonna go up or down. So really you always wanna try and follow that market pricing. So yeah, a lot of people don't wanna try and renegotiate at the peak of the market, but if you take the strategy of, of coming up with some mini bids, then you have the opportunity. Yeah, you might be high today, but a month from now or two months from now, if you do it again and pricing comes down, you're going to be able to, to change your strategy and keep pricing right in line with the market. So your service expectations are, or so your service is where expectations are. Good insight. Thank you for that, Pat. Uh, I've got another one here um, and I'll, I'll toss this one to Melanie. So would you follow a similar process for engaging the marketplace when it comes to parcel shipping? Or should you look at that process differently because of the limited number of service provider options available? Well, so I think that you would look at a process that's pretty similar to what we've outlined here. Um, you'll want to focus on who your customers are. Um, are you direct to consumer or are you more um, B2B servicing commercial business customers? And so that makes a big impact on that, that triangle that we talked about of speed and service and price, right, and how you're going to look at that. Um, you'll also want to look at your internal business requirements as well and understand um, things like if you are uh, delivering direct to consumers, if you're in retail, how do you fulfill orders to your consumers? Um, how do you get closer to your customers to fulfill them and meet that speed requirement? Do you have your locations in the right spots? And um, are there other strategies that you can put into play, like buying online, pick up in store, where you can really start to serve those customers differently? So really understanding that geography and size and what your capabilities are. 
Um, and then I think you have to still evaluate how you're doing things today, just like we talked about. Can you work with some of the regional carriers um, and really start to have the, the tools where you can start to measure, just like Pat and I've talked about this entire time of um, how are you doing things today? What are the cost drivers within your program? How are you measuring to improve upon those? And can you pinpoint those so you can see the trends within your spend? Because um, with, with parcel, you know, it's a little bit different with the annual GRIs you have, but then you also have all the different surcharges throughout the year. So being able to have a tool um, that gives you visibility to that to begin to measure it and to make changes to your strategy throughout the year is really important. All right. Well, thank you for that, Melanie. And thank you to both Melanie and Pat for sharing their perspectives today on how best pra what best practices shippers could should consider in the development of their freight strategy. To our audience, uh, if we didn't get to your question, we will follow up directly with you or feel free to connect with our panel panelists using the contact information you see here on the screen. To learn more about how Transportation Insight solutions can help you solve any number of supply chain challenges, please visit our website. On the resources section, you'll, you can access previously aired digital events along with a full library of insight from our deep bench of subject matter experts. Also, be sure to visit and subscribe to our blog and follow us on our social media platforms. Whether your business is large or small, Transportation Insight Supply Chain Solutions can help you control cost, manage risk, and improve your customer experience. On behalf of our panelists and all of us at Transportation Insight, thank you for joining today's broadcast. May you master the remainder of your day. <laughs>